And um, I'm going to do a roundup of Coachella 2023. Uh, I've not ever been a particularly big fan of modern Coachella. For me, it's like the nadir of corporatized music festivals. It was back in the day something to celebrate. I rem- yeah, the first I think Daft Punk alive to with the pyramid stage was i think 2007 at coachella i saw modest mouse headline at coachella but over the years it has morphed into this horrifically expensive and very corporatized pop festival and i think an elephant in the room about coachella is undoubtedly the lack of live music at the world america's biggest festival the amount of live music was shockingly absent um consider this on a saturday night in america's biggest music festival on their biggest night the four headline acts on their biggest stage didn't feature one single musician not one across four acts and i'm totally giving rosalia a pass here and she did play the piano that was the extent of instrumentation that were played across the four headline acts on the main stage so we had charlie xcx badly miming to her own backing track uh, rosalia was the the highlight of the whole weekend we had blackpink barely miming to their own vocal backtracks and uh, a, an unbelievably dull set of um what's his name i can't even remember the guy who did that rihanna song with calvin harris which is like two hours of just the most dull repetitive music you've ever heard um so the there's three different ways they do it the the acts come on and all of their music is uh, on a tape now with rosalia that worked beautifully because she has one of the world's best singing voices she made such an art statement with what she did uh, visually on the stage but the others didn't have good singing voices so they were basically their own lead vocals they were singing over the top of their own lead vocals when they even bothered to do anything more than mouth the music so there's very little live music often and i saw two acts in a row i think it was jackson wang and um cannons um totally different act on totally different stages who mimed from start to finish their vocals and it's like he pays thousand dollars somewhere between 500 and a thousand dollars to go to this festival for three days and you're watching someone lip sync why is this allowed i don't think you're allowed to do that at glastonbury i have never seen someone play at glastonbury with all of their music on a backing tape and i definitely have never seen anyone mime to a backing tape on uh, a music at one of the world's biggest music festivals how have they got to a state where they allow this to happen i personally couldn't give a stuff about dancers or costumes um but there are acts that go there that only care about having dancers and costumes and that's it they that's their whole show they they pull shapes that then get put into tiktok videos for 30 seconds and that's their whole set and i just think there's something so disrespectful i think a baseline I, I understand in like someone like Rosalia's case, she made such a good use of having um, instrumentation played backwards because she's, she's got one of the world's best singing voices. So she did her vocals live, and that's the center point of her music. But if someone like Jay Paul can bring on four or five instrumentalists and create 
recreate some of the naughtiest, most studio-bound music you can get and still pull it off. What's the excuse for these other guys? It should be the baseline that you sing live at a music festival. And even when they do sing live, they sing over the top of a guide vocal from their own song. So they're just adding a little bit on top of. You heard that with the with Blackpink. They were just adding like, I can I can sing better than Blackpink can. So it is shocking that there's so little live music. And it costs so much. I think it I think it is something like a thousand US dollars if you want to go for three days. And if you want to buy anything, a burrito, it's like you've <laughs> you've got to go and get a second mortgage. Everything there will fleece you dry. So I think the lack of live music is really, really terrible. And the whole culture of these special areas, you know, you get a pass to go in here and get a drink and then you go and watch a band. And it's like Glastonbury is the opposite of this. Once you're inside, you're inside. That's it. You can't go backstage where everyone's celebrities. And other than that, there is no, you, you have a drink over here, you have a cigarette over there and you go and watch a live you queue for half an hour to go and watch a live thing over there. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. And with six channels on, I had most of the weekend at home and I was flicking backwards and forwards. And I swear to God, I was struggling over six different channels to find anything worth watching. The lineup was shocking. And they they suffered a lot from big pullouts as well. So no one actually cancelled their set. But on the Sunday, on the third day, the main stage stream. So the streaming thing is just amazing because you can just sit at home and you can watch the whole weekend and you can watch almost every act, which is phenomenal. But then they get to 6pm or something on the Sunday and uh, Bjork pulled her live stream and so did um, Frank Ocean, which meant they didn't have an act on the main stage, on the main channel, from Carly Uchis, I think, uh, at 6pm. They had like four hours of blank noise. So there's something seriously wrong with the way that they're pandering to some of these people. They should just say, if you're signing up, you're being streamed whether you like it or not. Jay Paul cancelled his live stream, but I totally get it because he'd never played live before. Um, so I will go through some of the acts. Jay Paul has, is an iconic UK mysterious guy who's, you know, his debut album was put out without his permission. Everyone thought it was a stunt. And years later, he came, six years later nearly, he comes back and says, actually, no, it wasn't a stunt. I was um, ripped off and they released my album and I'd spent years trying to make it. And now, because everyone's heard those versions of the songs, there's no point in me releasing anything else because that's the songs in people's minds i fell into a pit of despair and just gave up music for six years and everyone went Ugh. i i had straight out of mumbai as my track of the year that year in 2013 i think and feel quite bad about that as well but it's all been released now but he chose to do coachella as his live opening statement i thought he was brilliant he was tackling incredibly studio bound music with his own voice being a center point, uh, he could turn it up for next week, um, doing incredibly high falsetto singing, changing, in changing octaves. His band, I thought, did a great job of recreating this really gnarly, knotty music. If you heard Jasmine before, it's not the kind of, it's not an acoustic guitar and someone singing in a mid-range. 
I thought he was wonderful. I thought he did really, really well. And he he stopped his live feed probably out of nerves, not wanting a, the biggest car crash in history to be broadcast all over the world. And as soon as he came off, he obviously felt, you know, that went really well. And they put it up two hours later. So I did actually get to watch. It's really interesting. There's two crowds at Coachella. There's the people, the 200,000 people that go, and then there's the millions online. And like when his live stream didn't show, it was the first thing to um, really ignite this massive anger and fury. And I really feel sorry for Coachella for that one thing. They got so much stick from Frank Ocean and Bjork fans. And it was Frank Ocean and Bjork that blocked their live streams themselves. You don't think Coachella wanted to broadcast those? People are still saying, why didn't Coachella broadcast Frank Ocean? You don't think they would have? Um, I thought Boy Genius were another standout. Um, I thought they were fantastic. I've been, I was sort of humming and hiring about their album, but they really feel like they're on the cusp of absolute stardom. Uh, it was a great set. Um, all, all the band were women, um, and it's a trio of um, indie superstars, Phoebe Bridges, Julian Baker, and I can't remember the other person's name. But they gave a great set, and, the, and there's obviously a lot of momentum with the audience behind them. So that was fantastic. I'm looking through to my playlist. I didn't see Bad Bunny, which was a shame, but apparently it was very good. Um, and I didn't see Bjork because she banned the live stream. So I've got no idea what that was like at all. Absolute standout of the weekend, to contradict everything I've just said, Rosalia. Already one of the most valuable properties, if not the most valuable in music. The Spanish superstar has a mid I think she was just before Blackpink on Saturday night and even though she had a backing track of music because her music is so art house it would be really difficult to replicate it live but it doesn't matter when one you've got one of the best singing voices on earth and she was stunning her voice was just incredible and all of the songs virtually relied on that voice it was a absolutely gobsmacking so it felt completely live two she's got the material three she actually used the notion of having dancers on stage artistically and even had her own camera people so there were lots of cameras that were on stage that they were carrying around and it was like you were there it was amazing even when she was like backstage she's like looking down the camera and um it was ph phenomenal um she and she's got the personality she actually had the personality to do it. Whereas, you know, I watched either side, Blackpink and Charlie XCX, barely mime and having lots of dancers. And I'm just looking at them going, what the hell am I watching? You could play a Spotify playlist and watch some people dancing. And that's your live gig. It was shocking. Rosalia won the weekend. Um, I heard Race Ramond were very good. They're coming up later. Gorillas were a headline act, I think, on the, on the Friday night. I thought they were so bland. They had about 40 musicians on stage. And it still sounded so tepid and weak. And I've always struggled with Gorillas because they have, like, the odd iconic single. But I've never gone back to their albums at all. And I think that um, the Plastic Beach one I'm going to play a track from was actually their best album, even though it came a lot later. But it was such bland music. Um, you know, you got one song every three that you sort of recognised and the others were like so tepid. You think 
that's not main stage on a Friday night music. It was just not interesting enough. I thought they were really rubbish. Um, I did see Underworld. That was it was okay. It was just a monotonous. Really, I thought they could have done given their backlog of material, and Sasha and uh, who's the guy that always plays with Sasha in the world goes nuts. Well, there's two of them that play two DJs, and they didn't actually show that live. It was on a stage without a camera, um, so that was gutting. But obviously, everyone is. Yeah, I don't get the fuss around Blackpink at all. I really don't. It's um, it's almost like. You know, they're four cute girls wearing cute outfits, doing cute dance moves, and that is it. Every time I switched over and I hung around for a couple of minutes, I was bored out of my mind. And I was they they just filled the air with lights and dancers. Um, there wasn't really anything I thought they could do. I think I can probably sing better than they can. Obviously, the elephant in the room is Frank Ocean. Uh, that was the most waited for set. Hasn't played live since 2016. Uh, iconic artist regarded as one of the great musicians of the last 15 years and his albums Blonde and Channel Orange and so on um, and it was a big big name for a Sunday night and everyone sort of thought 50-50 chance he's going to play it ended up being <laughs> very very close to that um, the so first of all, it, like, it, was, it was a car crash for the ages. I was at the Stone Roses Reading Festival gig. I reckon this will go down as similar. He has another weekend because Coachella does back-to-back -back weekends. So he has another weekend and it could be the most triumphant return in history. But nothing about his attitude from the Sunday night set led me to believe that this is possible. I would say it is 60% likely he'll get pulled um, either by himself or from what I've read, the staff at Coachella hates guts, and for good reason. So he pulls this live stream. Everyone spends the whole day abusing Coachella staff online, threatening them. He did it, not Coachella. He he removed the live stream. That was the first penny to drop. The second was when he came on and was 50 minutes late as the last act of the whole weekend on the main stage. And then he had a really weird stage set up, which was basically, we've now found out he cancelled his massive ice rink stage set up that he was going to use on the day. So he had all these dancers and everything that had been preparing for months all show up and weren't needed. And instead he did this thing, which was one of the weirdest stage setups I've ever seen. It was tiny and you couldn't see him. It was like there were instruments and stuff in the way and he was sitting in the back sometimes and wandering around in the back and going to the changing rooms and coming back out you could barely ever see him it was a terrible idea but overall a lot of those faults would have been allayed by him delivering a proper set and he didn't it felt like he played about you know two two minutes of one of his famous songs and then would spend five minutes stalking around the stage and by the way, they're saying that he had a broken ankle and that's why it all went horribly wrong. Absolute garbage. There's no way he was going to dance, but he did actually do a little bit of dancing on stage. So the idea that that was the whole reason for everything going wrong, he just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. He didn't seem like he had thought about the performance before he stepped on stage, even though they spent the last three months preparing this giant stage for him, which they didn't even use. So he'd do like a couple of minutes of a song 
in a different way to how it is on the album, walk around for five minutes, do another couple of minutes of a song, put on his DJ for 15 minutes. This is a guy that was 50 minutes late and at the end was cut off because he ran so late, even though it felt like he delivered about half of the set. It was awful. And everyone saying, you know, I was saying, oh, but his voice sounds really good. It sounds great. And the more you look at it, the more you realize that a lot of the time he was sort of ad-libbing along to backing tracks of his own vocals. There were times when the DJ was playing his tracks with his vocals in where he didn't even have a microphone. He was just sort of boogieing around, mouthing along to his own music. So I don't know what went on in his head, but People say, oh, rich white kids didn't get to see Frank Ocean, boo-hoo. Garbage. Lots of those kids have been Frank Ocean fans for years and spent every penny they had to uh, be at this life-changing moment. And he screwed them over as well. Not just the white kids who own, you know, Lamborghinis. He screwed over everyone that had travelled across country. You've seen the amount of people online that are crying about the fact that they've spent all their money on flights to go to Coachella for next weekend to see Frank Ocean and don't even believe he'll play. So it goes down in history as one of the worst headline slots in history, and I have no idea. It's almost like he made it up as he went along. Um, So it was a disaster, and I would imagine, I believe that Coachella may well pull him. Uh, It will be the most triumphant comeback of all time if he doesn't. So that was my overview of the entire weekend and wet leg i didn't get to see either but then i don't really like them this is shay's lounge possible swearing